You're listening to Echo the Podcast. On this episode, we chatted with Britton Buchanan. Buchanan has been active in the music scene since he first picked up guitar at age eight. He grew up playing local venues and eventually bars, but when NBC's The Voice reached out, he knew it was an opportunity he couldn't pass up. The singer-songwriter went on to captivate the season 14 judges and viewers to earn the runner-up spot. Since then, he has been continuing to hone his soulful sound, inspired by the soundtrack of his childhood. We chatted with the singer-songwriter about better his forthcoming debut record, and more. Take a listen. Hello, I am Britton Buchanan. That's um, me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm barely uninteresting besides my name, but I'm Britton. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I have talked with like Nick Hamilton and some of your other collaborators, and he spoke so highly of you. So I'm very excited to have you on the show. Good to be here. What has it been like to work with these other collaborators and artists? Oh, it's always a fun learning experience. You know, in Nick's case, um, we met through my cousin, who's a YouTuber. Uh, His name is Link. He's a part of a comedic duo called Rhett and Link on YouTube. And Nick is a big fan of Rhett and Link and was on their show. And uh, I am a big fan of of horror films. I have a bunch of bookcase full of horror films behind me. And I grew up on watching horror movies. I saw, you know, the original Nightmare on Elm Street when I was nine, way too young. And it just (laughs) scared me so much. And uh, it just started this addiction. So I was watching these really old horror movies for a while. My favorite book is It. Uh, It's, you know, I have like, I've collected like all these different covers, like all the different cover art for the book from the first edition to the newest edition. So I have so many copies of this book. And uh, I was like, Link, you know, this kid, he's been on your show. We we should go to the premiere of, of it, too. And Link was like, all right, I'll see what I can make happen. And he got his tickets. We went and we're like sitting in our row all nice and quiet and everything. And I just turned around to look at the crowd because I'd never been to a movie premiere before. And Nick was sitting down. He was like, oh, hey, Britain. And I was like, oh, my God, how does this person know who I am? And then uh, we talked at the after party and decided, we were like, oh, let's stay in touch. And uh, then he moved here to Los Angeles and we were like, let's get together and write some songs. What's the worst that could happen? And uh, that's how we met. And it was just always so fun working with him. And um, he's just a great guy, a phenomenal dude. And um, yeah, it's always, collaborations are always so fun. Well, they can be. Sometimes, (laughs) sometimes it's tedious, but with Nick, it's always very fun. Is there, I mean, I assume there is, but is the process of writing different for you when you're collaborating versus when you're writing by yourself? Sure. I think, um, you know, I, it is very different. So when I'm writing with other people, I have like the pop sensibility of a 78 year old man. And so like, I tend to try to um, write songs that I feel like I would be incapable of writing by myself with other people that do have these pop sensibilities. I grew up listening to Bruce Springsteen and Tom Petty and Bob Dylan and Paul Simon and Jackson Brown and like these rock troubadours who were very lyric centric uh, people. And uh, 
melody was an afterthought. And so I've always been like the words guy. Um, and so when I'm alone, I'll write these folk ballads that sometimes will go on for like eight minutes and you want to just like die by the end of them. <laughs> uh, and when I'm with other people, I try to write uh, some, you know, poppier, shorter songs that people will actually want to listen to and still have a good time by the time we're over. And so I think those are like the fundamentally different approaches to like coming into a session with somebody else. I always know that I'm going to leave with a song that I probably couldn't have possibly written by myself. Um, and then when I'm alone, I'm, I'm not worried about throwing lyrics out that may be too adventurous or too wordy or whatever, because uh, I just have to answer to myself. And I'm always like, yes, yes, that's good. Pat yourself on the back. That's a good line. <laughs> what what draws you to that classic sound? Oh, well, uh, my dad, uh, whose favorite was is Bruce Springsteen. Um, and so I was listening to Springsteen you know, when I was coming home after being born. Uh, and my dad and I, my dad and I have a very funny relationship because we like to argue a bunch. We used to. As I've gotten older and I moved away um we, we we get along much better but we're the same person so we kind of reflect each other's dislikes and likes to each other and so what gets on my nerves about him is what gets on his nerves about me and so bruce was always had a very complicated relationship with his dad and he makes the point about you know the the things that we love and and things that we're so enraptured with that we don't feel we receive the same attention back we tend to emulate those kind of things is his point and i i'm assuming that my love for my father's music would come out of uh the many days and nights we spent arguing with each other and uh and i and my dad is is great i mean like he he my dad sacrificed a lot to let me be a musician at a very early age and always bought us sound equipment and guitars and all get lugged us around in our 2005 Honda Odyssey to gigs and everything. And uh, I guess I've always wanted to be like my dad. So I was like, if dad likes this, I do. And then, and then I just fell in love with it. Um, and then the other end of the spectrum is uh, soul music, which is my mom's thing. Uh, it was always on her beach playlist, like Jackie Wilson and Marvin Gaye and all of those kind of people. And so those are what informed me and they both came from my parents uh, and are familial bonds, uh, albeit, you know, complicated, sometimes fun, sometimes angry. Uh, they all came out of that. I can definitely hear, uh, especially like the Bruce Springsteen influence, especially when you were talking about being able to kind of throw out uh, these different types of lyrics where Bruce is very creative with his songwriting. So I can definitely see like your inspiration there. Yeah. And speaking of like musical inspirations and mentors, you were on season 14 of The Voice. You were on Team Alicia Keys. What was it like to have her as a mentor? So she is everything you would anticipate her being and then more. And I've always said this, that, you know, I, she's so like philosophical and wise and one with everything that like, you feel like it's like, 
Aristotle and Socrates and Alicia Keys. Like, it just feels <laughs> like it. she's like this Greek philosopher that just was displaced in the wrong time period. And, um, so spiritually, it's a very invigorating thing to be around somebody like Alicia Keys because she's just so calm and at peace. And it, you know, by a byproduct of being near her, you feel also so calm and at peace. And it quickly became like a relationship where it wasn't, oh my God, it's Alicia Keys. And I'm, you know, I'm here with her because we've spent so much time together. Um, we had so many rehearsals together, albeit whether she was just sitting there and, you know, listening and then giving notes or like one rehearsal, it was just no band and her on the piano and me on the guitar. And we did two duets on the show. And she uh, was very gracious and helped me make a record when I was still playing rock music. We made a rock record with the band from The Voice and she sang back up on some songs. This, this will never wow. see the light of day because I've moved on in a different direction. Um, but she is the nicest and kindest person. Um, she bought me a guitar. Wow. Like a 1969 all original Fender Telecaster. She just was like, this is yours. And I was like, oh, my God, what? Is, how did I get so lucky? Um, and so she's just what what you need her to be and what you want her to be. Because of the role that she fits in with you. And she's phenomenal. You must have been so excited with the, the old guitar, especially oh, yeah. with your love of old music. <laughs> Well, with Springsteen too, like I had a Telecaster at the time. It was a 2013. I still have it. It's just not in California um, that looked like Bruce's and that I always played. And then like the Telecaster is the important part of Springsteen's thing. Like it's the only electric guitar he plays on stage. And so I've always loved Telecasters. So the fact that this is a 1969, every part is original, the pickups, the knobs, the tuners, everything is in original and it's in beautiful shape it's like oh my god how did i get this this great gift from you uh, what did i do to deserve this uh, and so i'm pretty I, I love playing it i just um i just pulled it out of the closet the other day and was messing around on it and i was like oh i feel like i haven't played electric guitar in a year since we all got locked inside yeah what a cool, what a cool gift. And also <laughs> you mentioned too, how like philosophical she is. Mm -hmm. Did she give you any advice that you still carry with you or it still sticks with you today? Yes. The big one. And I don't know if she got this from somewhere else or if she came up with this, but if she came up with this, she should put it on a t-shirt and start selling it. Cause it's amazing. She always said, don't quit your daydream. Don't quit your daydream. And I was like, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, I want a t-shirt with that. <laughs> exactly. Don't quit your daydream is phenomenal. She should license it and make millions of dollars off these t-shirts. Don't quit your daydream. That's amazing. So good. And was music always something that was your dream? Yeah, I, well, I, I tried to play sports for a while and I wasn't very interested in the, this is when I was very very young and I would play t-ball and like pick flowers for my mom in the outfield instead of like actually play and tried basketball and I was so awful that the ball got passed to me once the entire season oh. and I didn't catch it um and so and this was like in the last game they didn't even trust me up until the last game to give me the ball and 
I knew I wasn't going to play football because who wants to get tackled? And I knew that soccer was just beyond me. So we were like looking for a last ditch effort to try to find something that I would be good at and I'd be interested in. And when I was eight, they were like, well, let's try the guitar. And I tried it and I kind of liked it. And then like I took lessons every Saturday for a year or two. And then all of a sudden something just clicked. I would, and I was playing like four or five hours a day and was, you know, more excited to go to lessons than ever. And so about eight years old is when I picked up the guitar and that's when nine or 10 is when I was like, all right, I like this a lot. I'm going to put effort into it and I want to do this. And I mean, rock stars are cool and songs are cool. And oh my, I can pick up and play the guitar and it sounds like what I hear on the radio. That's so cool. Uh, and so from a young age is when I knew I wanted to do it. Uh, I've always thought it was interesting, like people that are like, oh, you know, I started singing when I was two. And I'm like, how did, how, <laughs> how, how did you know then? Or like, how did you like carry a tune when you were two? I don't understand it. So I wasn't a child prodigy or anything like that. It was just out of necessity of trying to find something I was good at. Um, but I guess it worked. I mean, it stuck. Yeah. And from there, you had a classic rock band, right? When you were like 12 or 13. <laughs> yeah, we were awful. We were so bad. Do you remember <laughs> any of like the songs you wrote for that band? Well, I only wrote one song for that band, which sounds like a, if you listen to it, you can't find it anywhere now. I don't even know if the recording still exists because I let my contract with tuned chord uh, age out for that song or whatever. It was only going to be up for a certain amount of time. And uh, it, looking back on it now, it's awful. But and it was not like anything I would ever write or listen to. Uh, but we used to play like, you know, everything from Beatles and Elvis to Led Zeppelin and Pearl Jam. We were, we were a weird band. And everybody in the band was very talented and has gone on to do great thing and is still very talented. But I mean, we were so bad. And <laughs> looking back on it, I'm like, oh my God, we didn't know what we were doing. We were like playing shows and not miking our amps and just miking the drums. And like all you could hear in the old videos is just the drums and me screaming because uh, <laughs> I didn't know how to sing with a band. And we were so bad. Oh God, we were awful. I sometimes think about it. I'm like, oh, wasn't that great to be that bad and just so shameless about it? We were just like, yeah, we're going to play here next weekend. You guys should come. I think that's the best part about being a kid where you like are shameless about it, like everything. You're just yeah. like, whatever. I'm just going to be and myself. You know, and It's amazing that we're always at our most shameless when we should have shame. <laughs> and then we're, we're always the most reserved and, and self-conscious when we should be confident and, you know, capable. Um, and so, yes, we had no shame. We were just out there. But people liked us. And so they kept coming to see us play, which is probably the only reason why we kept we kept it up for so long. Maybe they just came to laugh. Who knows? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But it was probably great to have that experience, though. And even though it was you guys weren't always doing the correct things, you were learning. And like right. now you're at the spot where you are now. Like, would you... Do you think you would be here if you didn't do uh, participate in that band? Oh, that's a great question. No one has ever asked me that before. Um, no, 
because it was so monumental in terms of like, this is how you interact with other musicians. This is how you play with other musicians. This is how you don't play with other musicians. Um, and I think personally, not to, you know, say anybody is doing anything wrong, but I think a very uh, essential experience to being a good performer is to spend a lot of times in bars playing for people, which is what we started doing when I was 12. And we did it all the time, almost every weekend. And then when the band quit, I started playing acoustically. And then my best friend, Patrick, started playing the cajon and we would just go and play acoustic cajon. And we did that in bars every weekend. And you like figure out like you can do anything. You can play anything. You can, you know, do any move you want to do, try any new riff you want to do. And you can fall on your face and no one will remember um, except for you. And, or you can do something great that everybody will love in the moment that they're going to forget anyways. But you know that, it'll work the next time. And you know, like what songs people love and when they're drunk and what kind of songs people love when they're drunk and you can test material out. And so that was something I started with that band that I continued afterwards. That was such essential experience for me as a performer was playing in bars all the time and like being consistently in front of an audience, figuring out what works and what doesn't. That's great. And all these experiences have led up to your brand new single, Better. What was the inspiration for that song? So we wrote this song with a couple of guys from just, well, they're a duo, so they are the group. But uh, they're a group called Fly By Midnight that my uh, partner, my creative partner, Derek Furman, who uh, produces all of the stuff, sometimes co-produces and co-writes pretty almost everything. Um, with me. Um, he's, he's worked with them for years and we wanted to have it right with them because we were like, oh, I'm sure we could come up with something fun. And uh, and then we wrote this tune, which is just, you know, we're all so thrilled with and is, you know, so classic and so fresh at the same time. It's something that we're really proud of. And we had a blast re- recording it. It was just Derek and I, but um, uh, a song that's fun to record because not all of them are, uh, is always, is is always fun. Um, and so we just had a session booked and we were like, uh, Justin from fly by midnight had this verse idea. We were like, Oh, let's, let's, you know, chase it down and see if we can come up with anything. Uh, and we do, and it's called better. I love it. It's so much fun to listen to. And it kind of, now that you've said that your mom kind of had that like soul, um, love of soul music, you can kind of hear that soulful sound. Oh, for sure. No, it's all good. I feel like I used to do a podcast with like horror people and they all had dogs and (laughs) their dogs always love to say hello uh, in in these situations. It's so funny. uh, And I love dogs. Uh, We have a pet too. I'm surprised it hasn't said hello yet. (laughs) But yeah, this comes from like, it's totally like Prince and like I was raised on Prince and Michael Jackson on my mom's end as well as like older stuff. And so like this is very like Prince, Michael Jackson, Peter Gabriel kind of things. Uh, 
And then people like, you know, John Mayer and the night game and all those kind of people informed, you know, the modern things, but you know, there there are things in there like the guitar riff. The guitar riff is very Prince. Yes. The vocal production is very like this close double, very Peter Gabriel sledgehammer so album kind of thing. And then there's all these ad libs that are totally just Michael Jackson ad libs that we just decided we were going to steal. Um, <laughs> and uh, we just it's all '80s pop, like funk soul pop and uh that we love and then try to make it fresh and new which is what fly by midnight is really great at doing yeah it's it's funny that that you mentioned that you wrote with fly by midnight because i feel like they definitely try to pull that old school sound into their Mm -hmm. music um so i definitely hear that that's awesome and if you could set fans up in the perfect environment to listen to better what do you imagine it looking like Oh, well, it's a summer song, I think. Um, And so, you know, this is one of those, like, depending on where you are. For me, like, this this is one of those, like, everybody says this, so this is kind of lame. But it's one of those, like, it's a driving song, for sure. It's like a windows down kind of thing. But people's, like, windows down driving songs look so different depending on, like, what makes you happy. And so for me, I would be like, all right, I'm going back home to North Carolina. I'm going to like speed down these back roads with my windows down past all these like old churches and cornfields and all that stuff and listen to this song for people that would be the beach or the mountains or whatever. But I would be like, all right, get in your car and roll your windows down and turn it all the way up. And let's just go from there. And, and that also that's like the best spot where you, to just like sing and have like no shame <laughs> going yeah. back to what we talked about before. Just like I have no shame yeah. about it. Is that's the spot? We're so I mean I'm so excited about it. It it uh, it's a song that we were like, oh, you know what? Like we just came out of the weirdest freaking year that any of us are ever going to live through ever. Uh, and like. We wrote this song a couple of months ago. And so before we realized how things are going to get better, I mean, we have a vaccine that we didn't think was going to be as effective as it is in terms of stopping you from getting the virus. We have a vaccine that's not, now we know is 90% effective at stopping you from catching COVID. We have, I mean, in California, we have the lowest positivity rate in the country right now. Um, and there's a date to announce, they've announced a date to reopen California fully. You know, we're finding out, you know, concerts are coming back. We're able to go to movie theaters again. We're able to eat inside again. And when we wrote it, you know, it's got to get better was just kind of like a plea for like, oh, come on, it's got to get better from here. And now, you know, it feels like a, a, a reflectory statement of like looking back at me and like, oh, it's better. It's got to get better. We, we, we've come out of this weird year and it's got to get better and it has and it will. And so that's why I love it so much. It's, it's now a time to be like, oh, it's better. Everything's better. We're, 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 life is coming back. And it's definitely such like an upbeat, feel good song. So it definitely yeah. fits. And speaking of live music, what do you imagine the live performance of better looking like when you eventually get to do that. Oh, that's fun. See what's a, it's such a fun song and uh, you know, there's a guitar solo in it, which is rare 
these days. And so normally I would be like, oh, you would be great to just like take the guitar off and go into the crowd and sing these songs and everybody singing back. Um, and then there's that damn guitar solo in the middle of it that I can't take the guitar off for. So I don't know what the live <laughs> performance looks like. I did a performance on The Voice called Good Love and a song called Good Love and an old song from the 50s, 60s. And it was just so much fun. Um, and I had a blast and I'm like, oh, I'm, it'll probably feel like that. Uh, just running around, just having fun. A nice little pinstripe suit. <laughs> Sounds awesome. I, I, um, when you're a kind of reminds me of the scene in Back to the Future with um, Marty McFly, just like the yeah. be good kind of scene. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, it's either going to look like that or it's going to look like the earlier scene when he's playing for the school talent show and they're just like, this is a little loud. Like that kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. It's going to be one of the two of those. But we'll, we'll have to find out which one it is. That's awesome. And you are also working on your debut album as well. Yeah. What can fans expect from that? Well, we're going down. We put out three singles already and then Better's coming up. We've got two more. And so, you know, thematically and uh, sonically, we're just kind of setting up the theme. Uh, we're, we're planning on having between four to six new songs as well on this record so plenty of material uh left to left to go and you know we just wanted to make something honest and something fun something universal um it's no one independently our our goal was you know like let's do something that people aren't doing right now like what could that be it's a single driven market a lot of people are just releasing a song a month and, you know, there may be an EP, there may be a record, maybe not. It's largely just a single driven market. How can we set ourselves apart? Oh, well, I like these old people who place so much emphasis on making cohesive records and making records to tell stories and like track listing and making sure everything is perfect and the album was an art form. Well, maybe we could try that. And be like in this single driven market, let's put out an album. No one else is, you know, trying to do that on a widespread level. So let's let's just put out a record. And so that's that was our idea. So something hopefully different than uh than the routine of um just single to single. I'm hoping that people will find the work as a whole very cohesive and um joyful and uh and yeah, we're just, I'm just excited to be putting out a record. I know everybody, when we were on a trial period with managers, was always saying, oh, no, there's not, there's not going to be much interest in a Burton Buchanan record. We just have to put out a bunch of singles and work our way up and up and up and up and up and up. And, up. and so to have somebody like uh, Derek, who uh, being a creative partner, who's just saying, let's just go for it. Like, we don't have a manager right now. We don't have a publicist right now, a publisher. We don't have any of these kind of things. I'm completely free to do whatever I want to do. So let's just do it. Why, why not just go not? for it? Yeah. Uh, and so that's, okay, that's what fans can expect is two people who just <laughs> woke up one day in October and was like, how about we just make a record? So uh, and then just decided to jump off the cliff and free fall. So that's exactly what you can expect is two people free falling off a cliff. 
<laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> Do you plan to put it out on vinyl at all with the, the old? Yes, yeah, so we just were talking about that. Actually, we were like, oh, let's put it out on vinyl. We'll put it out on CD. And we were thinking of adding like uh, these like interludes and, you know, bits and pieces of like instrumental interludes in between songs that you wouldn't listen to on a digital version. You could only hear by getting a physical copy. So we're like tossing around different ideas. Yeah, we want to put it on on vinyl. If solely for the vanity, like, oh, I have a record on vinyl. Ha 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 kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, so yes, we want to put it on vinyl. I think better would sound amazing with that, like crackle of the vinyl too. Same. Like we think the oh, same. Oh, good. Would, I think it would be great. It would bring that like authenticity of like analog stuff uh, back. And, you know, we've, I think I'll, you know, uh, there's a couple of songs that I would just love to hear with that crackle in the background and like, you know, the distinct sound of putting a needle on a record and letting it spin. It's just, very magical and you have no choice but to sit down and listen to it from start to finish uh which is the goal so hopefully people can also expect to want to listen to it from start to finish <laughs> if not then we may should make a better album oh i'm sure i'm sure they'll <laughs> love it <laughs> so kind of um going back to what we talked about with alicia about her being philosophical I'm wondering do you have a quote that you either go by or you've made up that you want to echo out to the world? Yes. So before every performance of the voice, um, I don't have any tattoos. So I would always write on my arm this uh, quote from a Springsteen song called Land of Hope and Dreams. It's just about the journey of life. And we're all traveling on the same train. And he goes through this list of people of like, this train carries saints and sinners, carries losers and winners, carries whores and gamblers. This train carries lost souls. It carries brokenhearted thieves and sweet souls departed. This train, you know, all, all of these kind of things. These We're all traveling together. And one of the, in, in the last little section of this code is on this train, dreams will not be thwarted. Faith will be rewarded. And I always used to write, faith will be rewarded on my arm. Uh, and whether that faith be in whatever, I, I'm a very spiritual person, but whether it be in yourself or in the process or in the universe or in God or in what, whatever, um, I always have felt like faith is always rewarded and that it takes leaps of faith and journeys through the dark to kind of figure out where you're going. So, Faith will be rewarded is one of the things that I live by. And so that's what I would echo out to everybody else is just keep the faith. Um, keep at it. Sometimes things move a little slower than you want them to, but they're still moving. And you never know when it'll take off. Yeah, I think I think that's awesome advice. And it also reminds me of when you were asked to be on The Voice, right? You had heard a Bruce Springsteen interview that kind of... yeah. Oh, yeah. see, I haven't talked about this in, for, in forever. <laughs> um, right the day before I was asked, I totally had forgotten about this. The day before I was asked to be on The Voice, I was listening to, I believe it was a discussion between Bruce Springsteen and Tom Hanks on East Street Radio. And this was right before Bruce's, this is right after Bruce's book came out, his autobiography. And Tom Hanks is like, okay, well, what advice would you give? 
you know, musicians out there who were just trying to get things off the ground, who were trying to get started. And Bruce said, take every shot. You have to be desperate enough to take every shot that comes your way because you never know which is the one that's going to work out. And I, everybody had always said, you should audition for this show, Brent, you should audition for this show. You should go on American Idol. I mean, everybody who is a singer has had at least 600 people tell them at some point that they should audition for the voice or American Idol or X Factor America's Got yep. Talent. Uh, and I was like, no, no, no. The people that I listen to, you know, acting all snowy, people I listen to, <laughs> made it because they were in bars and they played and played and played until they were in the right place, right time, record label heard them. And I was so against it. And then I heard that and he said, take every shot. And the next day they were like, does Britain want to, we saw a YouTube video. We'd loved it for him to come audition. Does he want to do that? And I was like, well, I mean, the man himself said, take every shot. Yeah. I guess I should <laughs> probably get on this taking every shot. Um, so I did. And I didn't think it was going to pan out at, at all. Uh, and then, uh, I was there six months later and play second. And so I was like, Oh, well, shoot. Look at that. <laughs> Bruce knew <laughs> what he was talking shot. about. <laughs> Bruce knew what he was talking about. <laughs> well, thank you so much for chatting with me. It's been so oh, much you. fun and I can't wait to hear what this debut album is going to sound like and Thanks. checking it out on vinyl. Um, but before I let you go, how can people stay connected with you? I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at Britton Buchanan. Somehow I got lucky and nobody stole them from me. So I'm all on there at Britton Buchanan. My website, www.brittonbuchanan.com, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you stream your music, um, at Britton Buchanan. So uh, that's it. That's how, that's how I know how to keep in contact. Awesome. And everybody needs to go check out better now streaming. Please. <laughs> Thank you. Please. I'm begging. <laughs> you can follow along with Echo on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.